0: Let us pray. Gracious God, open our ears, our minds, and our hearts that we would hear the good news you have for us this day. Amen. Today's scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 28 through 40. When Jesus had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a coat uh, that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them as they were untying the coat. Its owner asked them, why are you untying the coat? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the coat, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God fully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had been seeing. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Some of you will need to practice your shouting voices before next Palm Sunday. (laughs) There are only a handful of stories that show up in all four of the Gospels. This is one of them. Even still, though, there are some differences between the accounts. Mark tells the most complete story, in a way. It includes everything we expect to hear about on Palm Sunday. The disciples borrowing a colt from another village because the Lord needs it. Cloaks thrown on top of the colt, Jesus riding atop of it. More cloaks on the ground along with big leafy branches cut down from the fields. A crowd shouting Hosanna as Jesus enters Jerusalem. Matthew tells the story in a similar way. But he doubles down on the animals. The way that Matthew tells it, Jesus sends the disciples to retrieve both a colt and a donkey. Now this detail is almost certainly added to fulfill words from the prophet Zechariah. Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Matthew is very particular to tell the story this way, going so far as to specify that the disciples throw their cloaks over both animals and Jesus rides atop of both at the same time. Artists have run wild with this particular gospel. But other than humorous mental images there, Matthew, too, includes a crowd, and cloaks, and branches, and hosannas, and all the rest. Now, John adds so many other things to the rest of his gospel, including rising Lazarus and Mary anointing Jesus' feet, that he actually shortens his Palm Sunday account. There's no animal at all, maybe because Matthew used two, but there is no colt and no donkey, There is a crowd, this time a great crowd, and there are palm branches and hosanna. Now Luke is what you just heard. He has a colt, but just one. There are cloaks, but no palms. And while there is a crowd, only the disciples cry out, and they don't cry out hosanna. Some of the crowd asks Jesus to make them stop, to make them be quiet. And Jesus says, well, if they don't shout, the stones will. The story is clearly the same. But there are four different accounts of that triumphant parade. And some folks have found that paradoxical. But the parade itself that these accounts are describing, that parade was a paradox in its own right. Theologian Justo Gonzalez, he reminds us that triumphal entries were common enough to be recognized by early readers of the Gospels, but they were also rare enough to retain their sense of the extraordinary. Since time immemorial, he writes, conquerors claiming a city would enter in a procession, Roman generals returning from victory were celebrated this way, with the victor wearing a crown of laurel, riding a chariot pulled by white horses. Along the way, soldiers and citizens alike would shout acclaim and sing hymns in honor of the conquering hero. And Jesus' entry into Jerusalem both parallels those solemn entries and contrasts with them. He does not ride in a chariot, he rides atop a colt. The disciples shout in acclaim, like crowds had done before. He does not wear a crown of laurel, though before long he will wear a crown of thorns. Roman generals and emperors rejoiced over their conquests. If you read just a few verses further in Luke, you will hear Jesus weep over Jerusalem. Different accounts of this parade is simply the reality of being human. You understand this. Now, bear with me here. Ask any four people to write down their account of what happened during the University of South Carolina women's basketball national championship game. There will be similarities and there will be differences in what everyone remembers, but you'll end up in the same sweet place. No matter what the event, we all notice different things, depending on our background or our interest. Different moments will strike us as particularly meaningful, or they'll slide right past us. Some might notice a mascot, others the starters, some pay attention to the coach, others to the players who never come off the bench. Some watch the ball, others watch the buzzer run out. If four people tell the story, there will be points of overlap and points of departure because that is human nature. And so in the Gospels, these differences remind us that they are written down by human hands. But the difference between the parade that welcomes Jesus into Jerusalem and the parade that welcomed back Roman rulers into Jerusalem. Well, that's an entirely different story. What's similar and separate in that story. Well, it's too striking to be coincidence. And it's not about human account. Jesus' parade connects intentionally to the parades that have gone by in the past. Essentially, in creating a different sort of parade, though, he's inviting us into a different way of living. Because his triumphant entry is heralding the kingdom of God and God's ways have always looked different than so many of the world's ways. This truth shines through in all four Gospels, but each of them offer their own particular insights. Now, in addition to everything I mentioned before about Luke, Luke also repeats one word of this story more than any of the other three. The word untie. Go into the village ahead of you. And you will find tied there a colt. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Tied, untie, untying, untying, untying. One mention of being tied, four repetitions of untied. Once you're listening for it, though, you realize that Luke really doesn't need all four of those to communicate what's happening. But he does need them to communicate the importance of what's happening. If you were to find yourself signed up for Biblical Greek class, hypothetically speaking, on the first day, you would learn one word, luo. You will learn this word even before the alphabet, which means it makes absolutely no sense. It looks like scribbles that mean nothing. Luo, you are told, will be the verb that the class returns to for the entire year. Every time there is something new to learn about a verb, or how a verb is declined, or how a verb is translated, or anything else about it, you will learn it first with Luo. It's a short verb. You see, it's only three letters. It's easy to pronounce, thanks be to God. And in terms of grammatical structure, it behaves. It is predictable. It follows a pattern, and it does exactly what you would expect it to do, which cannot be said about all verbs. Now, you may already see where this is going, but the verb, luo, means to untie, to unbind, to release, to loose, to set free. Now on the very last day of Greek class, our professor asked us, why was luo the verb we always return to? And ever the good students, we recited what we knew. It was short, it was easy to pronounce, and it was predictable. Our professor simply repeated the question, why was luo the verb we always return to? And then he answered himself, he said, We start there because you cannot understand anything of the gospel without it. Luo, in many ways, is the first and the last word of everything Jesus is about. Luo is what Jesus himself always returns to. To unbind to release, to loosen, to set free. Luo. Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. Now it makes perfect sense that Luke would be the one to emphasize this. You might remember back in chapter 4, his is the account of Jesus' ministry that begins with Jesus unrolling the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue and reading out loud, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And after reading those words, he sits down again, and with all the eyes fixed upon him, he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But if I understand it, it's not just important that Jesus says untie so many times. It's when he says it. It's Palm Sunday. We know where it is headed, but we are still very much in the midst of his living. So often we think that everything Jesus promises us will be made real someday. Sometime in the future when everything is said and done. But that is not what this story tells us. Go and untie the colt, Jesus says, in preparation for the parade that will announce yet again who he is and what he is about The untying, he asks of his disciples, is not a post-resurrection or even post-crucifixion event. It is here and it is now. It is very much in the midst of his living and ours. The invitation is for us now to recognize that the great untying of the gospel, the untying that sets us free from everything in the world that tries to limit us or hold us back, it can happen now. Whatever it is that is holding you captive, be it confusion or uncertainty, perfectionism or exhaustion, fear or failure, health or history, Jesus does not offer a quick fix for any of it. But he does assure us that we do not have to let it define us. Everything we think that we are bound by, everything we think we have to be, luo it. Be released from it, be set free from it, because the Lord has need of you. That doesn't mean it can't happen without you. It means Jesus really doesn't want it to happen without you. You see, he didn't need the cult. He could have walked just fine, prophecy notwithstanding but even a colt, even a donkey, every bit of creation has a part to play in the story that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and that includes you. Whoever you are and however you are right now, the Lord has need of you. Do not ever believe any lie that seeks to tell you otherwise. In Luke's gospel, no one shouts, Hosanna. But in Luke's gospel, Jesus repeats and repeats, luo, untied, unbound, released, set free, redeemed, and saved. It is true for you, and it is true for you today. So join in the parade that will announce the same truth and hope and joy and promise to everyone else. Won't you? Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.